0: Okay, so if you've not been with us, let me catch you up because being in a, in, coming in to a middle of a movie is really horrible because when you come into a movie, you start, hey, what's going on? What's going on? The person next to you doesn't really want to tell you what's going on, so let me tell you what the movie is here, okay? So we're halfway during the movie and, and we've been talking about this idea of lead and that everyone needs a, a guide and everyone needs a helper and that's the Holy Spirit because when Jesus left, he left us his presence, his physical presence, the Holy Spirit. Now he leaves and the Holy Spirit comes. And So everyone needs a helper, everyone needs a guide. And here's what we said the first week, that you need to, everyone needs a guide, and you need to ask the Lord or ask the Holy Spirit to come alongside you because the journey is not meant for a single. It is a trip for two. It's a trip for the Holy Spirit to come alongside you and guide you and direct you in the way that he wants you to go. And so we said that, that you have to invite the Holy Spirit, and despite what you think, and despite people ruining it for you, and despite circumstances or experiences about the Holy Spirit that has turned you off from the Holy Spirit, He's actually a good thing, and He's a great thing, and He wants to be a part of your life. So you got to walk alongside, and last week we said that when you ask Him to come alongside your life, here's what you do, you got to yield to Him, because when you yield to Him, guess what happens? Yield becomes fruitful life, and the Holy Spirit begins to produce fruit inside of you, so that's what we were talking about last week, that a yielded life becomes a fruitful life, and all of us want that. So now as, as we're talking, we're going to go a little bit further, a little bit deeper today, not, not too much, but I'm going to go a little bit into, into what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives as well. But when I thought about this this week, here's what I thought about, that we live a life that is unbalanced. And what I mean by that is, okay, so here's my two jars, and one is full, And this jar represents the me, the me and me, the me-centeredness, the me that I want, what I want, I want to do what I want, and here is the we or or the others. Now, if we really are honest with ourselves, this is almost always full all the time, right? So we live this unbalanced life, and what happens is, is we always constantly think about me, my needs, my desires, my wants, what I need. And so everything we do is centered around me. Now, I learned this, and I really grasped this idea. I mean, when I was younger, you know, I always heard things like, you're not grateful, you're not thankful, it's always about me. And kids are usually like that. But as we grow adults, even some adults don't grow out of this. But what happens is, is what I've learned is, is when you get married, you realize it's not about yourself. When you have kids, it's really not about yourself. And so what happens is, is as you go, and if you want to have a friendship or relationship, See what happens is we start to make deposit into others, right? So we start to make deposits into the others category. But let's be honest, the the me part is still pretty full. So we walk through life and then and then so we look at our lives and we get older and we want to have a relationship, and we want to, you know, have kids, or, or we have kids, and so we start to lose our selfishness, and so we begin to make deposits in other people. And, and so then when we look at our lives and we say, oh my gosh, man, have I been selfish. So what we feel bad, so here's what we do. We go, well, then I'll just give to charity. I mean, make me feel better. Or, you know what, I'll do something in the community, and I'll, I'll do some work for somebody else, and that will make me feel better. Then I start to try to, to balance this out, right? And you you try to balance this out, and then, oh, oh, Christmas comes. Oh, yeah, that's right. I got to give gifts. And okay, great. And then, so you start to understand that you, but really, it never balances out. We always are centered on ourselves. And I don't care how old you are, how young you are, it's just who we are, it's what we're born with, it's what you come out. It's about me. And see, because there's this tension. And he, here's the tension, right? The tension is there's a struggle between selfishness and selflessness or selfless, right? So you, you have this struggle and this tension inside of you, whether I'm going to be selfish or I'm going to be selfless. And so we go through life and any opportunity that we have, what do we want? We want it to be advantageous for us. What can I get out of this? What can I get out of the deal, what can I get out of this? And so we go through life thinking that, what is it, in for, it for me? And if it's a, an advantage to me, then I'm going to do it. If it's not, then I'm out. And so we go through life like that, but we, we think about that in just circum- cer- cer- certain circumstances, but really it can permeate into all areas of our lives. So it's just not like a deal, or it's not just like a job, or it's not just like, hey, i got to do something on my house or whatever. But, and it's not just the, kind of this clause that what's in it for me, but it kind of permeates in every area of my life. And, it, and, and, and what happens is, is we pursue things in relationships. What is in it for me? When you go to your job, what's in it for me? And so what we do is when we begin to do that, we begin to hurt and we will go over people and begin to stomp and just walk over and do whatever we want. And we don't care who's in our way because it's about us and what we can get. So from work... To your job, to whatever relationships, it's about what we can get, and so there's a struggle. How do I balance this me and this we? Here's the thing: when you look at your heavenly Father, he's not like this. So your heavenly Father is never about me, is he? Never. So if you were if you're going to talk about your heavenly Father and this is us, you would say it's reversed. That your heavenly father operates we first and nothing for himself because he started it with what? A relationship and creation for us. He started with relationship and then all of a sudden he has this relationship with us and he begins to do something. The relationship gets disconnected, sin comes in the world. Mistakes happen, we we fail, we are failures, and instead of just what, saying, okay, well, I'm sorry, they're on their own, and they deserve punishment, and they deserve things, and that's just what's going to happen, and I'm good over here, and yeah, and I created them, I don't care, no, he didn't say that, he didn't say, oh, I'm sorry, you're on your own. See, God said, okay, well, this is the way it is. It's we first, it's you first, and what I'm going to do is I love you so much that I'm going to send my my son, and I'm going to, what is disconnected, I'm going to do connect back. The relationship that went awry, I am going to make right, and I'm going to redeem it, and I'm going to restore it. And that's how your Heavenly Father works. But somehow, we don't think like that. We have this problem with the struggle, me first. But here's the thing. We are part of something bigger than us. You and I are part of something bigger than us. It's just not about us. See, we are in a narrative and we're in a story that is not our story, is it? It's God's story. We just happen to be a blimp in the whole timeline and we're just dropped in. Right? Because we were never there at the beginning. We were never there when he died on the cross. We were never there when he ascended. We were never there when the disciples did what they had to do after he left. We were never there. But see, it's, it's God's story, and, and we're part of something bigger than just ourselves. But we think that the world revolves around us when it doesn't. And we can say, God, yeah, it is about God, but the reality is God invites us into what he's doing. God invites you and I into what he's doing. And when we put our faith in Jesus, when we put our faith in him, what happens is, is all of a sudden we are invited into God's plans and purposes for the world. And so it's not so much me-centered when God invites you in. He begins to turn the table around and say, it's more about other people than yourself. So if you're a Christian, here's what, there's one thing we have to live by, one thing that we're supposed to live by, and it is this, that we live our lives to honor and give glory to God. That is the one thing, if you are, call yourself a Christian, that you are supposed to give glory and honor to God by the lifestyle you live. And so, as you go through this, God knows that you're me-centered. He knows that. He knows that when you come out, that is your birth nature. That's what what you want to do. But God loves you so much, and he loves me so much, that he doesn't want us to stay like this, just all about ourselves. That he actually wants to do something in you. And so what he does is he brings the Holy Spirit to kind of do things in you and make you more like him. And he turns the table from me to being more like him and so the one person that knew this better than anybody was a guy by the name of paul you know paul was that murderer who all of a sudden became a mouthpiece for the lord he murders people murders christians and then all of a sudden he begins to tell people about jesus and begins to convert christians and the lord did something in paul's life and paul knew this better than anyone else and as paul began to go through the the um, ancient world you know that he began to write letters and he began to start churches and he wrote letters back to these churches and one of these churches was Corinthians. And cor- Corinth, if you want to know me-centered, do whatever you want to do. Whatever makes you feel good, it's okay. Whatever makes you happy, do it. That was Corinth. The most corrupt, disgusting culture of the, of the ancient world. And so all of a sudden there's Christians who are living in there and they have to live with this me-centered culture. They have to live with this perverse culture and try to still live the life that God wants them to live. So Paul begins to write them and says, look, the Holy Spirit wants to do something in you. And so he writes to them and it's in Corinthians chapter 12. Maybe you've you've heard this, you know this, but here's what he says and starting in verse 1. He says, Now the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to know or or not know what the Holy Spirit wants to do and the gifts that he wants to produce in you. And what I said in the beginning of this this series was this. That I want you to have a healthy understanding of the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes people misuse or misrepresent God and misrepresent the Holy Spirit and it turns people off. And so what Paul is saying is, I don't want you to be misinformed because the Holy Spirit is a good thing. The Holy Spirit's a great thing, and he does mighty things and can work in our lives. And so what Paul would say to the Corinthians and the Corinthian church, what he'd say to you and I is, I don't want you to be uninformed. I actually want you to know so you can understand what he wants to do in and through your life. And so he talks like that, and then he begins to go down. And he says, what does he want to do in your life? And, and in verse 4, he says this, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Okay, so now just pause there for a second. There's a difference between talents and gifts. Okay, there's a difference between talents and gifts. A talent is something that is natural. Something that is, you, you can learn. Something that is given to you. So, you can be athletic, you can be artistic, you can be a musician, you you can do many things creative, You, you have in the natural, you maybe were born with this stuff, right? So, you have a talent, but what we use is, is we say we're talented and we're gifted and we use kind of the same, in the same sentence, and we think they're linked together, they're not linked together. Well, he's a gifted kid, no, 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 you're saying he's a talented kid. Or he's very talented. No, 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 he's gifted. And we kind of use it like it's, it's a synonym, and it's not. Because I can learn a talent, or I've been born with a talent, right? It's something natural. So, I can learn to juggle. I can learn to do something. I, I'm born with being athletic. See, that's natural. And what Paul is saying is that talents are natural, but the gifts from the Spirit are supernatural, he says they're supernatural, and he distributes them, and he gives them. And then he would say this, that he would say these three words, okay? He, he says in verse 6, there are different kinds of working, but in all of them, in, in everyone, is, it is the same God at work. And he uses these three words. He says gifts, service, working. Okay, gifts, service, working. They're all three the same and there one goes upon another so you have gifts gifts out of gifts comes service out of service comes working and so he says that God does all of them he works in all of them and the term he uses in the new testament here for work is very uncommon but he talks about it as being effective so he's saying that he gives you gifts then comes service then he does a work or an effective work in your life so the Holy Spirit distributes these gifts to do what? To make you effective, right? And although we perform, um, although we perform services or we perform certain things in the church, it is God who brings about the results of what the gifts is being used. So yeah, we can do things and and we can do things in the church and we can perform certain stuff. But in the end, the behind who's doing it is God. God is allowing and God is beginning to work the results of the gifts being used. So it's not nothing we do on our own accord. It's nothing that we do. Paul wants to make sure the, the Corinthians get it and that we get it. That look, it is not you that you do anything, it is by his spirit and his spirit only. And his spirit distributes stuff so you can be effective and you can begin to do something within the side of the church, which is people, as a body of believers. But here's what happens. See, Paul begins to write this, and why would Paul write this? Well, the reason why Paul wrote this is because there was kind of this belief in the Corinthian church that gifts had a hierarchy, that there are some gifts that were better than others. That if you did a certain thing, or you, you function in a certain gift, then you were better than this person who functioned in this gift. And so that's why Paul addresses it and says, no, it's all the same. He distributes here, he distributes there, and they all work the same thing. And it is true of today, isn't it? That sometimes we push and emphasize different kinds of gifts because we think they're more important than other gifts. And Paul would say this, they are not there is no classification there's no hierarchy in the gifts it is God who distributes them and he distributes them how he wants to do it. It's not, oh I'm better better than this or I have this gift so I'm better than It's none of that. It is, we are all together going in, in one direction. And so he, he writes this saying that The gifts are are not this. And then he begins to give us an explanation why he would say this. And here's what he says in verse 7. He says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for what? The common good. It's given for the common good. That the manifestation of the Holy Spirit that happens in the church is given for the common good. So again, it is Christians who function, who are believers, who are the body of Christ... That God begins to manifest his spirit in their lives and gives them gifts for what? For the benefit of those around them. To benefit and build up those around them. So he manifests himself to do this. And so what God does is he gives gifts to believers. So what? Gifts happen, ministry happen, and needs are met. And people and the church are encouraged and built up. That's why he does what he does. And what Paul would say is this. And the one thing he wants you to get and what I want to get from this whole thing is this. That spiritual gifts are not just for me, but they're for we. Now, I made a rhyme so you won't forget. You walk out, someone goes, hey, what would you learn at church? Spiritual gifts are not just for me, but we. And they'll be like, what? And then you can explain to them what I'm talking about, Right? But you can say, look, spiritual gifts are not just for myself. It's not for self-gratification or self-edification. It's not to gratify me. It is for us corporately. Right? It is not just about me. God just doesn't give gifts so you can feel good about yourself and do amazing things and go, oh, yeah, look at me. No, it's it's because somebody else needs to be ministered to. Someone else needs to be built up. Someone needs to be encouraged. That's why God does what he does. Because it's not about me. It's about we. We. And I believe that's what God wants for us moving forward, that God, and we'll discuss that later. But anyway, so he gets to that point. Now, here's the thing I want to talk to you about the gifts, and I just kind of just go over them. I'm not going to like super get in depth in them. But he, he begins to tell you what are these gifts. So if God gives you the manifestation, he gives each believer a gift for the common good, then what are they? It says this in verse 8. To there, there is one given through the Spirit a message of wisdom and another a message of knowledge by the means of what? the same spirit. Again, knowledge is not better and wisdom's not better. It's the same spirit doing the same thing. And so he he begins to make this the head of the list. Here's why. Because when you talk about wisdom, a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge, it shows that God is speaking and doing something in his people. See, the Corinthians had all these idols in their ancient time. And so God is saying, those idols don't do anything. They don't make any noise. They're not going to do anything. They're powerless. So God would say through Paul, look, it's by the means of word of, of knowledge and a word of wisdom. And God is comparing and contrasting his knowledge and his wisdom that happens through the believers to the empty wisdom and the empty knowledge of those idols. But really, the, ultimately, he's saying that the world has empty knowledge and empty wisdom. And he was saying that the, the wisdom here is, yeah, it is kind of this common thing that you would see in Proverbs and things that would happen, and, and you talk about the book of Proverbs and gaining wisdom and paying attention to wisdom, but really what happens is, is when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and gives you a word of wisdom, you can look into a, a situation and he gives you insight to the truth, something that somebody else might not know. God gives you a, a wisdom. He gives you, a, hey, this is really what's going on. Here's the truth of what's happening. And so when he does that, then he sometimes applies, he gives someone the knowledge and says, hey, here's what you have to do to apply that truth in that situation. So that's what God begins to do. Now, the next five are miscellaneous. The next five gifts are miscellaneous. And the next five, he says, are are this. The first one, he says, that it is to another faith by the same spirit. Now, okay, faith It's not just basic saving faith. It's not just saying, okay, well, I have faith in Jesus, so now I am saved, and I'm redeemed, and I'm going to heaven. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about this muscle in you, that this supernatural, have you ever heard this term, unbelievable faith? That someone has unbelievable faith. That's what he's talking about. Because people are faced with certain situations, and when they're faced with these situations, here's what happens. They begin to question God, they're unsure of God, and they feel like giving up. And he says, the gift of faith supersedes all that. Where someone wants to give up, where someone wants to throw in the towel, or questions God or is unsure of what God is doing in this situation, God gives you a supernatural gift of faith in saying, I can see what the circumstances are. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to question. But I believe God is who he is. God is going to do what he said he's going to do. And I'm going to have supernatural faith to see beyond the natural realm. The natural, so he begins to do that. And you know there are some people like this. Because maybe you have been in a certain um, circumstance where life seemed pressing in. And you felt like giving up. Believe me, I have done it many times. And you're questioning and you're unsure of God. And all of a sudden, somebody comes alongside you and says, no. Who is God? What's he going to do? And they, they build you up. Because of that supernatural faith that you don't have. And God gives them the gift of faith to see that God, what God is going to do. And it builds you up and it does something to your faith. And it's unbelievable faith. And that's what the gift of faith is. And then he goes this and he says this. Now, these kind of go hand in hand. If you have faith and these other two, they kind of go hand in hand because here's what he says. He says, to another, gifts of healing by that one spirit and to the other, miraculous powers. Now, do you notice that it doesn't say the gift of healing and it doesn't say miraculous power? It's plural. It's the only gift that is plural. The gifts of healings. Why? Because there's many things that God can overcome. There are many sicknesses. There's many diseases. There's many, all of that stuff. And God will release the gift of healings to touch people. Think, when Jesus was on earth, he just didn't touch people who were blind. He touched people who were lamed. He raised Lazarus. He healed crippled hands. He did what he would do he had power over sickness and diseases and so the gifts of healings can supersede any of those diseases or those illnesses or anything that's going on and so when I pray and I'm asking for God to do something in a situation I say Lord would you release the gift of healings because I don't necessarily know what God wants to do and I don't know necessarily what's going on but he releases that gift of healings in there and then the miraculous powers God has to, he's able to do the miraculous. See, people can say, well, this is what's going to happen in the natural. And this is what it is. Guess what? God made the laws of science and laws of nature. And God can supersede the laws of of nature and science. 100%. So what happens is when you pray for miraculous powers, which I do believe happen. Because if you don't believe, go to another country where they don't have doctors, where they don't have dentists, and all they have is Jesus. And you see people's feet be healed. People who can't walk, all of a sudden they heal. Because why? Because the Holy Spirit begins to gift people and he asks for the miraculous powers and things are happening. But see, there's something that we realize too much, and I'm not saying it's bad, but sometimes we just forget what God can do miraculous. He supersedes the natural. The laws of nature, all of that. He can do that. And so the gift of, of miraculous powers is God begins to work in you. Why? Benefit. Somebody else, and it glorifies Him. It brings glory to Him. See, I'm telling you, when a miracle happens, people don't question God, do they? Because they have no explanation. They just go, oh my gosh, there's got to be a God. There's got to be somebody. And so God begins to do that. Now, here's the other thing He says. So those kind of two go hand-in-hand because you've got to have faith to have see miraculous, trust me. And you've got to have faith for healing. But here's the, the other thing. I mean, here's, He says this. Um, he says... Um, but another prophecy and another distinguishing of spirits. Now, prophecy is obviously just giving something that the Lord wants you to um, see. He sees in people's circumstances. He gives you the guidelines. He gives you the direction. He gives you the instruction. He gives you what he is about to do, and there's people that do function in this. I'm not one of them, but this is, he, he does this, and people begin to see um, what God is going to do and then declare what God is going to do. And believe it or not, there are people who have declared stuff that have actually happened in the last couple of years. Because God is speaking to, to us, speaking to the church, saying, hey, and then things have come forth. But here's the distinguishing of spirits. Distinguishing of spirits is someone can distinguish if it's God or not. Someone can distinguish if that's the truth or not. Are you going on your own in your flesh? Or are you really speaking for the Lord? Is that really the Lord? And distinguishing spirits is this when you look into a situation, you can see, is this God working? Or is this the enemy working? Is this the word of God? Or is this not? So you can distinguish exactly what sorry, what is going on and what is happening when God gives you that gift. Now then he goes to the next one. He talks about tongues. And he, he says there's all speaking in different kinds of tongues and still another interpretation of tongues. Now, I believe in this. I don't have a problem with this. It's who I am. But I'm telling you what Paul is saying is, is there's this private and there's this public public declaration of tongues see sometimes when I pray and I don't know what to pray the Holy Spirit just gives me utterance and I just pray and then he'll give me some, some um, kind of insight to what he wants to do but really what Paul is saying is in the corporate setting because here's what happened in Corinth it's crazy and if you look later in, in Corinthians he would talk about that church needs to be orderly and things need to be done in orderly and done with what the Holy Spirit wants to do because everyone was doing what they wanted to do and they want to do what was right in their own eyes. And when Paul would address the, wor- the, the orderly worship. But here's the thing. He says if, if in the corporate setting, if someone's going to speak in tongues, then there needs to be an interpretation. All right, so if you're collectively as a body in the Lord, I believe the Lord can do that. And he believes that he can give someone that, that supernatural, heavenly language that humans don't really understand. And then he, you would interpret it. That's what he's talking about. So that's what he begins to Lay down the foundation, breaks it into those three groups for the Corinthians and for us. And these gifts, here's why they are given. They are given f- to en- enliven the church and to bring unity to the church. That's the reason why the gifts are given. They're not weird. They're purposeful. And they're purposeful in y- y- enlivening the church and, and unifying the church. And here's what he would say finally in verse 11. All of these are at the work of the one of the same spirit, And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as he determines. So the Holy Spirit gives a gift, who he wants to give the gift to, or many gifts. I believe sometimes the Lord can give you um, just gifts, a gift, certain gifts. But here's the thing. Think about it in terms of gift. When someone gives you a gift, out of the blue, do you really have a say in the gift? No. No. You don't. Right, it's not on your birthday list. It's not on your Christmas list, right? They just give it to you. But here's the thing. When someone gives you a gift out of the blue, they know kind of what you want. They kind of know you well. I mean, for someone to give me a gift out of the the blue, they would know me well. They would know my dislikes, my likes, and what I like. So you really can't complain if someone just gives you a gift out of the blue. It's the same idea and the same concept of the Holy Spirit. If he gives you a gift, you have no say in it. But the Holy Spirit knows you. He knows what you need to edify the church. He knows exactly who you are, who you're made up for, and he distributes it to you. And he gives it to you. And he can work in will in any situation. And I believe he can, he can distribute it and determine it anytime he wants. And you can function well in it. And you can move in it. But I also think that sometimes, who's to say that God, you're not just limited to one gift? That God can begin to do something in you and give you multiple gifts at multiple times because I believe the Holy Spirit can manifest, uh, manifest Himself in His presence anytime and, and, and anything He wants to do in a particular situation. So the Holy Spirit just, just, just does this. Now, you might be sitting here and I'm sitting there talking about this and you're like, oh my gosh. Okay, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, but this is like a lot. And you're thinking, well, this is just for mature people. Right? Oh, well, you, you might be thinking, well, this just, okay. this is for people who know the Bible really well. And this is for pastors and people who are really religious. And that's not the case. It's not for the super religious. If you, give, if you in, in, um, are into the Holy Spirit, if he begins to give you a gift, it's not for people who are mature, not people who know the Bible, not people who are religious, not know. It is for believers. It's for everyone. There's no, there's no age barrier. There's no gender barrier. It's the Holy Spirit begins to give gifts as you, as you want. So here's the thing. When you think about this, and the Holy Spirit wants to do this, it's kind of this this idea of a team, right? This team idea. And here's what I mean by this. When you're on a team, there's a bunch of individuals, isn't there? When you're at work and you're part of a team, there's a bunch of individual effort, right? But you're all going for the same goal and the same purpose. That is a picture of the church, We're all individuals, but yet we're all on the same team. And the goal is to to pursue the purposes and the plans of God wants to establish in the world. So, So all of us, it doesn't matter who you are, what age you are, God wants to do something in you because you have a role and a part in the church. And don't let anybody tell you otherwise because it's not the truth. It's God wants to do and deliver gifts to you so you can begin to go to the common goal, the common direction that the church is going. So, the thing is, so, okay, so you're talking about this team effort. How do I get part of the team? Where do I fit in as a team? Right? Well, obviously, first of all, you have to have your faith and trust in Jesus. When you become a Christian, then the Holy Spirit begins to deposit something in you. But really, you have to desire this. You have to desire this. It's not like, okay, great, uh, yeah, okay, um, yeah, it's just going to happen. No, you have to desire everything that the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. You have to desire to be an effective believer. You have to desire to be an effective person in this world. It's not going to happen on your own. Look, if I want to get good at a sport... I practice, practice, practice. If I want to get A's on my test, I study, study, study. If I want to be successful in my job, what do I do? I'm a lifelong learner. Or I do what I'm told to do and I go above and beyond that. I put in effort. I have the desire to get better with its work, my marriage, my school, whatever it is, I have the desire. And it's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. And it's the same thing of what he wants to do in your life. You have to have this desire for the Holy Spirit to do something in you. And then when he gives you, and he he does that, here's what happens. So what do I do? So where do I fit in? If I'm on the team, and I fit on this team, then how do I get my gift? Well, there's many ways to get your gift, but I'm just going to simplify it to one thing today. Just one thing. Because there's many ways to do it, but here's what I'm going to say. Just say yes to the Holy Spirit gift for your life. Say yes. That's all you got to do. Because why not just say yes to the person who can distribute them? Why not say yes to the God who is the one who can distinguish and do uh, an effective work in your life? Why not just say yes? That's all you got to do. Now, there's other ways, but I'm not going to complicate it. I'm going to make it simple. Say yes today. See, you say yes, okay, God. Okay, God, what do you want to do in my life? Say yes to you. God, what do you want to do through my life? I just say yes to you. Holy Spirit, I say yes to the work and your will in my life today. And I accept the gift you want to give me. And I accept what you want to do because God, I'm not going to be here on this earth and be, not live a life that is, doesn't have any meaning and is not purposeful. The well, Holy Spirit, I want to be purposeful in this life. I want to move in the direction the church is going and I want to play a part, an integral part in what you're doing. So I say, yes. I say, yes, God, what do you want to do? Holy Spirit, fill me in, and move in my life. And here's what happens. When you begin to say yes, God begins to give you that gift. He distributes that gift. And when he distributes that gift, here's the thing. You can't complain about it. You can't be disappointed about it. And the other thing you can't be is you can't compare yourself to anybody else. Right? You just can't do that. It's not what God wants you to do. Because God has given you what? For one common goal. It's to build up the church. And when you begin to say yes to God, he begins to do something in and through your life. And he begins to do something in and through the church. And believe it or not, Sarah and I just didn't move to West Texas to be ineffective. We came to do what God has called us to do, to make the church effective, to be, bring hope and wholeness to this community because that's what we believe God is doing. So we all have an intricate part in this. So today, just say yes. And here's what happens, and here's what I want you to say yes. Because if you say, if you don't say yes, and, and that's okay if you don't, but I'm telling you, here's what happens two things are going to happen if you, if you don't allow the Holy Spirit to work inside of you. You won't be effective, but here's the thing. You'll miss out. You'll miss out. You'll miss out in what the Lord wants to do in your life, what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life to make you an effective person. And here's the second thing, most important thing. Others will miss out because God has given you a gift to build up the church he has given you a gift to bring ministry and health and wholeness and meet people's needs, encouragement, and what people need. Maybe it's get a faith. Maybe they need a little something. Who knows? But people will miss out if you don't say yes. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a person who misses out. And I don't want you to... And I don't want to be a church who misses out. I want to be a church that is effective and moves so here's what I'm asking you to do we'll just, we'll just play and, and we'll pray but here's what I want you to do I, I, I want the Holy Spirit to speak to you and maybe you have a gift and maybe you just need to exercise a little more and say Lord I just I give you my all I just have not been I've kind of been living in the me and I want to transform it to the we Lord because you want to use me in my work and in the church and, and I want to be effective and maybe that's you May the Holy Spirit is say,ing "I I want to burst something new in you, and I want you to exercise what I've given you." And then maybe you just need to ask the Lord and say yes, to the Lord today, and say yes to what He wants, and to say yes to the move of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. So let's let's um, turn the lights off, and you can stand. And I just want you to have your hands out. It's you and the Holy Spirit. It's you and God. And you just come before Him and say, Lord, this is what I want. And if you're struggling, and I'm just going to just be silent for a little bit, and I want the Holy Spirit to speak to you, then I want Him to to talk to you. And if you need to have the gift exercised in you a little bit more, or if you need the gift, ask Him. So she's just going to play, and I'll give you a few minutes. And you just... Talk to the the Lord and allow Him to speak to you. I thank you and I praise you for your good work. And Lord, I thank you for the word that the gates of hell will not prevail against your church. Lord, that we would rise up and Lord, that we would be effective. And God, I pray for those who us seen here. Lord, I pray as we come before you with our hearts and we say, Lord, say, Holy Spirit, fill us. Begin to move inside of us. I pray that we begin, for those of us who have the gift, Lord, and we know our gifts, but Lord, it's kind of gone dormant because we just haven't been being effective. We just haven't been living for you. Lord, would you birth something new in us? Would you begin to rise up in us, Lord? Arise the gift you've given to us, Lord. As you say to Timothy, fan the flame within us. And I pray, Lord, that you just begin to move inside of us. Holy Spirit we say yes to the giftings and the power and the move of your Holy Spirit in our lives today and we stand with the authority with that to be effective for the plans and the purposes of God to expand the kingdom of God and for those of us Lord here that who need this Lord that we have our hands out and we're saying we don't know what gift we have but we yield and we say we accept it now in the name of Jesus we accept the gift that you want to do that you want to give us. Lord, we accept the gift because it's not about us. It's about the body of Christ. Building up, edifying, moving, and empowering, Lord. And expanding your plans and purposes into this world, Lord. And we, there's nothing more than we want to be as a church than being effective believers for you, Lord. So I pray now in the name of Jesus for this church, Lord, to rise up in the giftings, Lord. To rise up, God, and into all that we you have for us. That Holy Spirit, you begin to, to move and work in us, Lord. And from day, this day forward, this be a marker, Lord, where the Holy Spirit showed up or the Holy Spirit did something, and He began to do something in and through our lives. That when we go to work, you would show up and be manifest. manifest mani- there'd be a manifestation of the Holy Spirit at our work. There'd be a manifestation of the Holy Spirit in our jobs and, and in our marriages, in our lives, Lord, and in this church. And, Lord, you begin to draw people here who need that hope in Jesus, that need need to be made whole. And, Lord, would you use us to accomplish your purpose. So thank you, Lord. We just continue to pray. And for those those who aren't even here, Lord, we pray for them, that you'd stir up the gifts within them as well, Lord, and begin to work. Holy Spirit, all we want is to be effective Christians for you. We want to be effective Jesus followers. That as your word says, they might see our good works and glorify our heavenly Father, which is in heaven. Lord, may that be happening. May that be established in this place. May your presence just reside here and go forth from this day forward, Lord. We give you, Lord, our, our lives. We give you our plans. We give you our purposes, Lord, and we begin to think we minded and others minded and ourselves second because that's what you want from so we give you this day, Lord, and we believe. And Lord, here's why I, I, I stand firm and I trust and I thank you for the things you're going to do. Lord, I can't see them now, but we can see them in the future. We can see people being coming into relationship with you. We can see, Lord, the, the power of the Holy Spirit moving in people's lives. Lord, we just begin to decree that, Lord, as Sarah says, and we declare that in the name of Jesus. So, Lord, with you at our right hand, we will not be shaken. You move it in our life, we will not be shaken. So today, Lord, we just give ourselves as an offering to you, holy, pleasing and acceptable to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.